This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tool. Back again with you guys for another episode of our TGT podcast. I'm very happy today to be joined by Mo Hader. How you doing, mate? You good? You well? Yeah, I'm good, man. I, uh, I've recovered from a very late night last night and uh, an mm. early start and stuff. Bloody hell, we did not need that with the rain delay and all that weather uh, delay for the game. So late as it was. Yeah, I mean, for a lot, obviously, I, I was working the game, so my shift was from 8pm till 4am, so whatever happened in terms of delay, it didn't affect me, but I know it affected a hell of a lot of supporters that stayed up late and were constantly trying to look for updates about when it was going to kick off, and we were constantly getting like told about when it was being delayed, and it kept getting pushed back 15 minutes and then brought forwards again, but eventually it happened, and Despite a pretty shaky first half, um, the second half was a hell of a lot better. Um, And I think that, you know, for me, there's a lot of discussion around kind of the first team and the second string and the difference in in, in quality. But I'll get your thoughts on on kind of where you think the squad is sitting right now and how kind of confident you're feeling about the group of players that we have. Well, you know what, Tom? Actually, you won't because talking of shaky, shaky starts or shaky... Oh, is it here? (laughs) I've got to, someone's just uh, arrived at my house. I just need to go and see what they want. And, no worries. Uh, I'm going to dip into the chat box whilst I'll you're be right uh, back. sorting that out. Sorry, I'll start. <laughs> I'll see you in a second. Right no worries. Uh, we'll get back moment in just a second. He did warn me pre the show that he might, might someone, uh, someone might be turning up at the front door. And it's happened right at the beginning, as if you'd imagine that happening. Let's just say good evening to people joining us in the chat box whilst that happens. Jose, good morning to you. Sir. Good morning. I'm, I'm so used to saying good morning. Good evening, Jose. Good evening, Harvey. Uh, Temi, good evening to you. Alex, hope you're doing well. Paul, Anthony, uh, Harvey, thank you so much, as always, for just blaring out the please like the video chance. Always appreciate that. Aiden, thank you so much for tuning in. Spaceman Trooper, you're the GOAT. Trust me, you are, not me. Uh, If I was a GOAT, it would be be an ugly sight. Let's be real. I mean, I've got enough horns going on with my hairline receding as it is. Steve, good morning, good evening, wherever you happen to be in the world. Hope you're doing good. Mo, uh, Mo joining us to watch Mo. Fantastic stuff. Uh, and Toothless, uh, good morning and good evening to you as well. Let's tackle some of the comments as well. Uh, let's go to <laughs> Noel, who says, Tom, I'm currently at a Lady Gaga concert and I don't know any of her songs and there are a lot of weird people around me. What should I do? I'm a bit scared. How on earth are you? We're going to bring Mo into this conversation. 
Mo, look at this comment that I've just managed to get up. Look, Tom, I'm currently at a Lady Gaga concert and I don't know any of her songs and there are a lot of weird people around me. What should I do? I'm a bit scared. Have you ever been to a concert where you didn't know any of the words of any of the songs? I don't think so. What are you doing, Noel? How I need more context. How have you ended up at a Lady Gaga concert? This is your own fault. Listen, bad choices equal bad situations. You should have been strong. You should have had a backbone. And whoever has dragged you into this, you should have said no at the start. So there's no sympathy for you here now, mate. You deal Mm. with this. And I can only imagine you weren't thinking with your head and you were thinking with some (laughs) other part of your body that has led you to this situation. So I hope you get what you wanted out of this. Or you're being very, very nice, like your niece or something. <laughs> Matt G's pray for Noel, indeed. Pray for Noel. Noel, we can't give you any advice other than to get out there as soon as feasibly possible. Um, did you get your package? Everything all good? All well? Yeah, all all sorted? All Lovely good. stuff. <laughs> oh, now have we lost you? Just oh, we've, You're back. Sorry, Mo. You cut out for a second. You're, right. you're fine now. Um, in regards to where we were at with the conversation, squad, confidence, how are you feeling after what you've seen so far? Um... Yeah, no, I'm, overall I'm in a good place. I feel like um, overall I'm fairly fairly confident because I, I feel like you know, clearly in January we didn't do anything. But so far we have actually made some really, really good additions. And also one of the additions that actually wasn't this transfer window, but is William Saliba, who, who's a fantastic addition that we didn't have last season. So when you look at it on balance, we've added a brilliant striker. We've added a brilliant central defender. Um, and they're, they're two really key things. We're on the verge of adding a brilliant left back that, mm. uh, as I know you know, Tom, can deputise in midfield you know, to a really good standard as well. But we still do need to get that central midfielder. And, and then I kind of feel like if we do that, then I'm quite happy. A lot of people talk about needing a winger or a wide player. And actually, until we see outgoings, I don't think that is what we need. Mm. Um, we've got a lot of players that can play out on the on the wings, um, and some of them, yeah, they do need to go. But actually, I think the more interesting conversation is not about who's coming in. Maybe it's about who needs to go and and where people stand on on those sorts of players. But signings wise, so far so good. We're six, no, fifteen days away from the yeah. start of the season. So, so fast it's been... coming around. It's crazy. Pardon. It's going around so quickly. Like, it's yeah, mad. Man, I feel like the season finished last week. It's mental. But hopefully Zinchenko will be potentially unveiled tomorrow or next week. And mm. then, as I say, just that one central midfielder that we need. And and then I'll be, um, you know, then I'll be overall fairly happy as long as it's the, as long as it's the same level and quality as a Saliba, Zinchenko, Jesus, because they're all very good players. Mm. Yeah, and I think that, you know, when we went into this window, one of the big things that we wanted to see Arsenal do was do business early because we've seen time after time Arsenal wait, stutter, flutter um, and and falter their way towards the end of a window and then in the final days, you know, get their asses into gear and, and bring some players in. We had a lot of work to do, you know, this window. And as you mentioned, I think one of the big parts of the conversation we're going to have this evening is about the the outgoings and also the measure of Edu and how successful he is as a technical director in moving those players on. First of all, to kind of set the scene and and lay out the context, Arteta took a hell of a lot of players that were expected to probably move on this summer on the pre-season tour and left players like Charlie Patino, Brooke Norton Cuffey, 
you know, um, Marcelo Flores, although to be fair, you know, he has now secured a loan away from the club. But a lot of, you know, excited young players have been left at home whilst these guys who are destined, we, we think, to leave are with the squad. I think it's because they wanted to use it as a bit of a shot window scenario for some of those players. But I don't really know how much three games benefits that scenario. How much more are you going to learn in those preseason games? But what do you think about those decisions? I'm really glad you mentioned that. It's one thing I wanted to talk to you about. I actually forgot mm. to mention it in my own post-match reaction in mm. both games. And each time I'm like, damn it, I'm kicking myself. Why did I not talk about this? I'm really, really gutted, Tom, that we have not taken any youth players with the exception of Rule Walters oh, on man. the tour. Um, I understand that Mika Birith is out on loan, as is Omar Rekic. Um, as you said, Marcelo Flores, he's, you know, secured a loan as well. But there's players like Salah Adin, Charlie Patino, that were really, really close to the first team last season because they were often, because we had such a threadbare squad, on the bench. And now they're not even there on the preseason tour. And I think they'd be gutted about that. I really do. I don't think it's the right move. I wonder whether this is sort of a, a shift in psychology in, in the club in terms of making the first team a higher benchmark, more of the promised land almost, that you don't mm. get to just experience easily. You really have to graft and work for it. But I think preseason is the perfect opportunity for these young players to be in and around the first team squad, see the glamour, the glitz, the fame, the screaming fans, so they can see what that pressure must be like and also see what the increase in training intensity is like as well and match intensity without actually having the results-driven pressure that comes with any other game. Because even if it's Europa League, you know, even if it's a Europa League group game where you've already qualified, these are still competitive games. So this is the perfect situation to get some of these players in. And I'm really, really frustrated by it. Um, for me as well, look, usually I would be on this tour. Uh, in the last few years, I've yeah. travelled the world going on these tours. And obviously now, because I've got a 16-month-old son, I you know, have to obviously shift my priorities a little bit. Uh, but yeah. one thing that I always looked forward to going on these tours was seeing these young players. It's something yeah. that I really, really enjoyed um, seeing what they can do. I remember, you know, um, players like Robbie Burton, Don Thompson, Smith Rowe, you know, all doing well on, on tours. And it's just a nice thing. It's a really, really nice thing to see, to see that young blood coming through. So, yeah, I'm really annoyed by it. And when you look at who's gone in their place, yeah, what is the point? Honestly, I don't think it's a shop window. I don't think anyone is going to be saying, I'm going to buy Reese Nelson because he scored a goal yesterday against Orlando. You know, I think really if they're going to buy them, they're going to be buying them for what they've already done, not what they do in this, you know, um, pre-season friendly. I, I really can't get my head around some of the selections like Lucas Torreira, Alex Runison, you know, why would you take five goalkeepers? <laughs> like we've got three games, and I don't even think that Aconquo and Runnison and Leno have been on the bench for any of these games. I think Turner and and uh, and Rams there. Oh, to be fair, no, I tell a lie. I think in the first game, perhaps Aconquo was on the bench. I think, and I think he came on in the game against Nuremberg. Maybe uh, he was certainly there, but I. I just can't get my head around why you would decide to take that many players. And what frustrates yeah. me more is that no one's asked him. No yeah. one's asked Arteta why yet. I'm still waiting, awaiting an answer. I'm hoping that if we say it loud enough, 
maybe some of our friends that are out there, Mike Feinberg, uh, can go and ask some of the questions because we need answers yeah. to this. And it's important that we get answers because we need to know why they've not been taken. That's for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, let's run through them. Uh, and I think probably the best way to do that is to tackle them in terms of who looks most likely to move the soonest. And the first one, I think, is Bert Leno, from the sounds of things. You know, Fulham are very interested in him. Had a £10 million bid rejected by Arsenal. Is that... Did that give you an element of kind of appreciation, respect, understanding of Edu's position to try and maximise the value? Or do you think of a goalkeeper that is going to move on? We've got his replacement. We need money. We need to move players out if we want to reinvest. Was £10 million a fair price? Or should we be holding on for more? The way I look at it um, is the risk of a serious injury to Aaron Ramsdale and therefore Matt Turner being in goal for a considerable chunk of the season mm. worth the the sort of um, missed out cost that we'll get, you know, because what, what we're aiming for, let's say maybe 15 million for Leno and we're saying yeah. no to 10 million. So is that 5 million worth that risk of Matt Turner playing in goal versus Leno? And actually I think, yeah, it's um, it's not worth the risk. I, I would rather forego the 5 million and keep Leno mm. and actually then be able to play Leno because I'm not convinced by Matt Turner and it's very early days, but you know, he's still, he's still got everything to prove. And from my point as a fan uh, who, who wants the Arsenal to do well next season, I'd rather just not take the risk. Mm. So look, if, um, if we were, I, I know we have to also be considerate about Leno as well he he clearly needs to go and it's a world cup year and and all that sort of stuff but we have to think about arsenal first so unless we get the right valuation for him i'm not happy for him to go likewise with hector bellerin three million apparently we've been offered yeah. three million i mean are you kidding that can't get you anything these days especially with the cost of living that's your energy bill for the winter <laughs> it's it. so, yeah that's how much so, i paid last month <laughs> unreal so uh, yeah i would hold on to leno and bellerin because we know they're actually brilliant deputies even though they do probably need to leave the club mm, yeah <laughs> i can't wait to see someone clip you saying bellerin's a brilliant deputy <laughs> that's that might come back to bite you but no i i think with leno i i agree in the sense that he's better than turner you know i don't think there's much of a debate about that um 15 million pounds is a really good price, I think, for someone like yeah. him. So if Edu is going to get that, you know, props to him. But, and to be fair, to, to, for Fulham to say offer 10 million, get rejected and say they aren't willing to go 5 million more to get a Premier League proven, solid, in his prime goalkeeper, you know, I, I think fair play to call their bluff on this one because it's yeah. worth doing that to get a, a bigger fee. But um, do you know what? Find a way. Find a way of making it happen, whether that's first refusal on one of the hottest prospects in Fulham's uh, academy, whether that is a sell-on clause, whether it's, you know, a clean sheet bone, whatever it might be, find a way to make the moves that we need to make because ultimately we do need to. We've got a really big squad now. We can't mm. register all these players. So, you know, we something needs to give. And that's where I want some of that lateral thinking from Edu. And I'm look, you know, I'm not saying that he's not doing that because how would I know? I'm sure he is. I hope he is. But it's not just simply good enough to say no to the 10 million and that's it. There is, I think I've counted uh, 10 players in total that could move on from the club this summer. We've discussed two of them there, Leno and Bellerin. The other ones are Pablo Marie, Lucas Torreira. Uh, following Balogun could leave on loan. Nuno Tavares could leave on loan. Um, there's a few more as well. That have, uh, so let, let, me give you a list. let me give yeah, you a list, on. right, Tom? And you can say, um, 
sell or loan. Or loan, yeah. And because I know you're a fence sitter, you can have an undecided as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on. So keep, sell, loan, or undecided. So, yeah. Bert Leno. Sell. Bellerin. Sell. Cedric. Oh, yeah, the thing is with Cedric is that, and I'm not fence sitting, I swear. It's only because I don't see us buying a right back. I okay. don't see us doing that. So I'll say keep for now. Okay. Yeah. Rob Holding. Uh, sell. Okay. Marry. Uh, sell. Nelson. Keep and extend his contract. Okay. Maitland Niles. Sell. Nicholas Pepe. Sell. Nuno Tavares. Loan. Lucas Torreira. Sell. Right. You see, I um I would personally let Cedric go and I would keep mm. Maitland Niles as that standard really? right back option. Yeah. Because ultimately I just don't think know, he wants to play them. <laughs> I really yeah. don't think he wants to. Yeah. But also um, then he he doubles up, he's more versatile than Cedric. And actually, yeah. when Cedric's playing or when Maitland Niles is playing, it's not that I think there's a huge difference. So I'd rather have that versatility, have a HLN boy, you know, someone that's been at the club, I'd, I'd rather do that. I, I just, yeah, I don't see why Cedric, on what basis he gets in ahead of Maitland-Niles. I, why, why is Maitland-Niles better at right back for you? What, what have you seen from Maitland-Niles that Cedric didn't do last season at right back? You know, honestly, I feel like with um, Cedric, he he lacks a bit of composure and um, I'm less comfortable with him at right back. Maitland-Niles is never going to be a brilliant, world-class right back, but I mm. I personally have more confidence in him to fill in for a game or two than I do Cedric. I, it's just how I feel. And I realise mm. it's a close call, so I'm yeah. sure there'll be other people that have uh, different opinions. But I think the thing that edges it for me is the versatility that Maitland-Niles brings. If we do have that midfield crisis that, you know, with a Xhaka suspension because of his 20th yellow card of the season and a Partey injury, then um, I think Maitland-Niles is, you know, obviously going to be a lot better in midfield than Cedric is. So on that basis. And also, who doesn't want to see a Maitland-Niles penalty every now and then in the season? Well? <laughs> you know, the other one that I'm surprised about that is you said sell Rob Holding. I think... Yeah. Um, Pablo Mari needs to go, but Rob Holding as a fourth choice centre back. There's not going to be many better fourth choice centre backs in the Premier League than Rob Holding. You're right, there isn't. Um, I just think that if we are going to sell him, I think that we can get in this summer window a decent fee for a mid twenties Premier League proven homegrown defender. Um, and I think Arsenal would be able to get a decent fee if say an offer came in. Look, if he stays, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to lose sleep over it at all. You know, as, as you say, he's a very, very good fourth choice. Um, I have a, con I have a concern and maybe it's just like irrational of how I feel about Arteta and, you know, the, you know, the whole insecurities about how he views Saliba, but I have a horrible feeling that he would choose to play holding over Saliba sometimes. And I oh, just, God, I really worry that that would happen. Um, so that kind of ruins it. By the way, I'm just going to put a poll into the chat box as well, because I'm curious to kind of get your thoughts in the chat box, guys. So I'm just putting a poll in that says, who would you rather keep to be the backup right back? Um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles or Cedric, start voting on that and we'll get some feedback on, on that. And you can, uh, you can decide. Here you go. And Tom, you know, talking about um, Premier League proven homegrown centre-backs, Ben mm. Mee going for free to Brentford from mm. Burnley. 
What an incredible signing for Brentford. I think that's a really, really great signing. Ben Mee, for me, is a, a decent, decent centre-back. And I don't think he ever would have come to Arsenal to be fourth choice. No. Don't get me wrong. No. He's the sort of player that will want to play. But um, that is, um, you know, obviously not a glamorous one, but one of the signings of the transfer window, given that it's... Uh, really? I mean, yeah, I, I don't think Arsenal would have been smart to get him. He's 32. So, you know, it's he's... he's he's entering those twilight years but I remember when the Johnny Evans deal came up and you know we were sniffing up we were turning our nose up at 10 million pound for Johnny Evans we absolutely would have benefited from having him over Mustafi during the time that he's been at Leicester like without a doubt and Socrates so you know it's I think I'm always cautious about just saying no what you're talking about absolutely not I wouldn't go for these players because actually we've been burned by being a little bit too, as we describe it sometimes on the lounge, snobbish, you know, with, with yeah. certain transfers. Absolutely. Um, let's move forward to uh, Nicolas Pepe, who's a bit of a, a tricky one um, because I know a lot of people like the guy. They want him to succeed. You can see there's a player in him. What are your thoughts on on the, li- the likelihood of Arsenal getting a decent sale for him this summer? If not, do you feel like it's a keep or, or loan situation? Nicholas Pepe, man, frustrates the hell out of me. I wanted him so badly. I was so excited when we signed Pepe. He's such a talented footballer. But he, do you know what? I think what sums him up, Tom, on his Instagram story today, he shared a a video that someone took of him in a game Mm. where he didn't actually play very well. He didn't play very well against Orlando, but the video that he shared was someone capturing him nutmegging two players in like the space of about 10 seconds yesterday. And I'm looking Mm. at him, I'm thinking to myself, Pepe, like you're just a power league player. (laughs) It's really annoying me because where is that desire and mentality to be sort of that end product killer? He doesn't mm. seem to really care. He just wants to beat his man about three times and almost kind of like just smirk to himself a little bit because he's mugged someone off. And I want a bit more from you, mate. I, I really think he's such a talented player, but when he is left to his own devices on a football pitch, he, he doesn't seem to remember where the goal is in a way. And I well, feel he like, is. <laughs> Sometimes. I feel like he yeah. needs to have someone to play off so he can get that sharpness and movement and directness to his game. The problem is, look, we've given him enough chances. I remember this time last year, he did well in pre-season, if I remember correctly, and a lot of Arsenal fans were saying, looking forward to Pepe this season. It's going to be a big season for Pepe because he started pre-season really well, and then nothing happened. Mm. And I'm at the stage now where, honestly, I feel like if we get a decent offer for him, I would take it. But I'd love it if uh, if he just clicked and started to prove people wrong. Oh, you know, I would I would give anything for Pepe to prove me wrong, you know, about him. Because anything, to be honest, most of the time, if I'm being critical, you know, it's, it's not to the benefit of Arsenal, you know, it's because something's going wrong. So typically, if I'm wrong about something, it's going to be, you know, for the benefit of, of, of Arsenal yeah. in that sense. So with Pepe, and whilst I've been, you know, critical of him or, or suggesting that he's not going to be good enough for this Arsenal team, he doesn't fit in what Arteta's looking to do at the club right now, what I would say is that if he suddenly, as you said, turned things around, competed with Saka, let's say Saka gets injured in the first week ahead of Pistol Palace, Pepe comes in and has a great game. That's I'm desperate for that to happen. Yeah. And I'm yeah. desperate for that to be the case. But I just don't see it happening. Yeah. I really yeah. just don't see it happening. Yeah. Um, let's I've tackle a couple of... Su- Sorry, go on. Oh, no, you go for it. Well, if you're going to read out a comment or something. 
It was just Wayne Sage, who of course joins us uh, on the lounge as well. So Fabrizio has just tweeted saying Juventus are discussing terminating Ramsey's contract. Would you sign him on a free for a season? No. No. There's no need. Sorry, it's short answer, Wayne. You know, (laughs) with with stuff like this, the question I always ask, Wayne, is that if he didn't have previous with Arsenal, would you be sending that comment? If the only reason we're signing Mm. him is because he played for Arsenal previously, well, that's no reason to sign someone. And actually, you know, the problem is I see this pattern, this trend throughout the club. Edu, ex-Arsenal player, director of football. Arteta, ex-Arsenal player, manager. Jack Wilshere, ex-Arsenal player, coach. Mertesacker, ex-Arsenal player, um, you know, head of the academy. Now, I'm not saying that I'm against anyone or all of these people at all, but it starts to um, paint a picture of, like, convenience rather than meritocracy and best man for the job. Josh Kroenke, you know, owner's son, and he happens to be there. And, you know, with, with these things, I just wonder how many other clubs, when they're looking for manager, academy coach, you know, blah, 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 all of these things that I've just mentioned, actually go and target them because they think, no, they've got the best CVs in European football. That's where I want Arsenal to get to. So very much in that same token, off the field, on the pitch as well, I want to start taking a bit of the sentiment out of things and just say, look, is Aaron Ramsey the right player for our system, right player for our problems, the best value for money, the best person on the market right now? If yes, fine. Doesn't matter that you play for Arsenal. If no, no. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I would say is, and, and I agree with Mud here, that Pei Metzaka has done a brilliant job so far yeah, yeah, with the academy, yeah. I think. Yeah. He's done a, a yeah. very, and, very And that's what I say. This is more of a principal thing rather than getting into the detail about these people. I think Pei Metzaka mm. has done a great job as well. And, you know, I hope I will be saying the same about Jack Wilshere going forward mm. as well. Yeah, it's a big, big opportunity for him. I, I have to be honest, you know, when they made that appointment, I was a little bit critical at the time because I think it was a bit of a, it's a risk, you know, because I think that, what, what's been going on with the youth teams, Kevin Betsy with the under-23s last season, you know, and Jack Wilshire now taking over that role, it's a risk um, because they could have appointed someone who's more well-versed, more experienced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they had that in Betsy and they got the reward because he did a brilliant job and got them finishing, I think, third in the PL2 last season when they, considering the season before, they were in a relegation fight and they just stayed up on the last yeah. day of the, the PL2 season. Yeah. So I think is it Man City and Chelsea that finished above them? And um... Yeah. And and they're very, very well funded at that level. Mm. So much more than Arsenal. And that's why you've seen Amari Hutchinson, um, you know, go to Chelsea. Absolutely. Uh, the other super chat was from Tarun, who says, what do you mean still holding? Unless we sign another centre-back going into 50-plus games a season with three centre-backs is a death wish. Tommy Asu isn't filling it right back, let alone centre-backs still need centre-mid and right wing. We're going to get on to what we need in a little bit. But to be fair and to caveat what I said, you know, I wasn't saying sell holding and then just go, we're done. Like, that's it. Yeah. You know, it was definitely going to be move him on and, and bring someone else in. So it wasn't well, the case I, I think um, in terms of, you know, a Premier League, a serious Premier League outfit with Gabriel, Ben White, William Saliba and Rob Holding, I think that's really, really good. It is very good. Um, I do think we, if we're going to move Marie on, which we should, I do think we need a left footer, to be honest, to come in. Um because Gabriel being out is a big, big loss. I think Shaw Saliba can cover a left centre-back. Arguably, Tomiyasu could also cover, but then you are then dropping in someone else at right-back. I do think there's a, an argument as to why a left-footed centre-back like Martinez, who can play at left-back and midfield, was targeted, because I think he would have been effectively a, a player for three positions at a very, very good level. I mean, the last time we spoke, 
Mo, we were obviously still linked with Rafinha and mm. Martinez. I wonder if not about Martinez. Say again, that, sorry. That was a question I wanted to ask you was about uh, Lissandra yeah. Martinez, actually. Go on. And the question is, being really honest, who would you have rather have signed? Zinchenko or Lissandra Martinez? If, if, if money doesn't matter, if we're just yeah. saying like money's not... I think I would have leaned towards Martinez because of the coverage at left centre-back that he brings as well. Um, and I think he's more of an out-and-out -out six when he plays in midfields than Zinchenko is. So I lean towards him. However, with the context of the money, 30 million for Zinchenko or 60 million, which is what it could rise to for Martinez, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Because spending 30 million more on Martinez would have compromised maybe our ability to go for someone else in another yeah, position absolutely. like midfield. You know, yeah. you could get Zinchenko and perhaps Tielemans yeah. for the price of just Martinez. And for that, you know, it's an absolute no-brainer, I yeah. think. I that. think you've nailed it there. Uh, for mm. me as well, one of the biggest factors, even more so than the money, is the Premier League proven experience. And mm. Lissandra Martinez at five foot nine, you know, we all remember... There's risk. Yeah, there is. Ben White, Ivan Tony, and the pelters he took first game of last season. It'll be yeah. very interesting to see what sort of start Lissandra Martinez, you know, gets off to in the Premier League mm -hmm. and whether that, um, you know, could be a, a shaky grounding for him. But for me, I think Zinchenko is... Actually, I think people will be quite surprised. I think a lot of people have been surprised at just how good Gabriel Jesus is as well, actually, since he's yeah. come to Arsenal. In terms of his footwork and ability, when you're playing in that Man City team and you look average compared to Bernardo Silva and Kevin De Bruyne and Riyad Mahrez. Um, but actually in this Arsenal team, I kind of feel like we had Lacazette last year. And, mm. you know, I, I didn't, I don't like to be like this sort of like um, abuse, hate-filled person. Sure but did, yeah. actually I was livid with Lacazette last year. I was absolutely disgusted by his performances. They were awful. They were not fitting of a, of a, a like any half decent professional mm. um footballer uh, in that position critical of Arteta for not dropping him sooner to be honest yeah, man. Like, he, he yeah. was awful and instantly the breath of fresh air to see someone like Gabriel Jesus has been mm -hmm. so so nice to see so I think in that same vein when we see um, Zinchenko in an Arsenal shirt we'll be like wow I didn't realize he was that good that tidy that uh, precise and that um, good and protective of the ball. So that's actually something I'm really looking forward to Arsenal fans seeing and thinking, hold on a second, we've got a really good deal here. Yeah, interesting. Just seeing, um, I don't know if it's verifiable, but um, some little things coming through about Lucas Torreira in Italy and possibly a move to Sampdoria, a return to Sampdoria being talked about. So maybe that's something that we'll see happen, but it, I can't I find, verify that. It's just I find Torreira a really interesting one because... When he first joined the club, I thought he was brilliant. I felt like he was mm -hmm. a real specialist at what he does. Um, and then we had Emery playing him further forward. Don't really th think that worked. I can see what he's trying to do, but it didn't work. Um, and then when he went to Atletico Madrid, I thought, perfect. Now we're going to see Lucas Torreira mm -hmm. move up to another level. Because under Simeone, he's just going to absolutely smash it. And he just hasn't. And it just hasn't worked. And I still think to myself, you know, was I just wrong? Or is there actually a good player in Torreira? But the fact that only Sampdoria are in for him would suggest yeah, that Valencia had an wrong. agreement apparently as well. But I mean, Valencia have not been the Valencia that we've we've known them to be in the past. You know, I, th I think you're right. Um, 
you know, if it was a choice, genuinely, if it was a choice between starting El Nenny in a game or Torreira, I'd choose El Nenny hands down. I think El Nenny has done some, has had some brilliant performances. I think he's come on leaps and bounds. Uh, yeah. Without, you know, with respect, he's the guy that wins the most improved player awards, if you like, sometimes. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, as it sometimes is when you're playing on six aside or whatever. But he genuinely has, I think, improved significantly. Um, and as an experienced player in the group, I'm glad he's staying for another year. You know, yeah. I'm glad he's here for. I think he's going to be an important part of the squad. And people go just turn their nose up and say, in that snobbish fashion, uh, he's not good enough for Arsenal. Mohamed El Neni, Arsenal. Are like, you kidding? And actually, no. You need players like that. There's reasons why you know Manchester City kept hold of Fernandinho as long as they did. There's a reason why Liverpool have James Milner on for yeah. as long as they do. You know, you need sometimes those players. And yeah. I would absolutely play on any over Lucas Torreira without a shadow of a doubt. I think he brings more to yeah. Arsenal and, and fits what we want more. Um, as well uh, we are going to tackle questions in about eight minutes time um, so if you've got some questions you'd like to throw in I have been saving some of them throughout in the chat those that did put them in early but we're going to tackle those in a bit but the last topic to discuss before we go to those is of course the potential ins between now and the end of the window uh, the, the big names of course are Tillemans and Lucas Paqueta that have been mainly named if it is to be first of all how many do you think will come in after Zinchenko just to get that question out of the way. One. Just the one. And where player. do you think it will be? Centre mid. Yeah. Just and, is that, mid, yeah. and if that ends, let's say that's Tielemans, for instance. Um, yeah. What would you, and, and let's say we move on some of the players that we need to, not all of them. I think it's going to be a bit of a struggle to move them all on, but let's say seven out of the 10, seven or eight out of the 10 move on. How would you rate our window? If it yeah, then I'd be very happy. If we yeah. get if we move on eight out of the nine or ten that we're talking about, I'd be mm. very very happy with that. Um, you know, we're talking about Zinchenko, Jesus, Tielemans, all Premier League proven players, all really really good players. I'd be very happy with that. And then on top of that, you know, as we, we mentioned, Saliba has come in as what feels like a new signing. I know that's a bit of a cliche in Arsenal well. circles. And Fabio Vieira, yeah, I forgot about him. And even Marquinhos, but, you know, probably one for the future rather than for next season. But that's also what we thought. Um, who who was it? Um, Who's this? No, I was thinking there was someone that... Sorry, Lokonga. Yeah. Last season, we, we thought, oh, one for the future. Ended up playing quite a few, um, quite a few games. Mm. So who knows about Marquinhos? You, you, you just never know. But yeah, I would say that if we manage to do that, if we get Tielemans or Paqueta, either one... Um, and get rid of seven or eight of the players that we need to get rid of, then I'd, I'd rate the transfer window quite highly. It'd be like an eight out of 10 for me. Yeah, I, I think it would be a 8.5 um, out of 10 if we managed to get Tillemans on top of what we've done and move on those players. You know, for me, centre mid has always been the key area. You know, I thought it was last summer and we didn't do it. We got in the Conga, sure, but yeah, he, he wouldn't, he doesn't fulfill upgrading that position. I think yeah. Zinchenko's come in as a midfield option as well that does for me upgrade on what we've got. I would start him over Xhaka a lot in that opportunity presents itself. I think he's shown time after time that he can play that role. I mean, if anyone has not gone back, and I suggested this to Shaheen earlier on in our WhatsApp group, go and watch the Manchester City against PSG game in the, in the Champions League and Zinchenko runs that midfield in that game. Yeah. It's really worth a watch. And for Ukraine, of course, he smashes it. Interesting you say that he you'd start him over Granit Xhaka. Let's just mm. put one thing out there. It's never going to happen. You can have... Um, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, like, who knows? You know, Apparently, he loves Zinchenko, like, genuinely loves the guy. Yeah, but you could have like Michel Platini and Zidane um, and available <laughs> to you, and you'd still like Arteta would still play Xhaka. I don't know what it is about Granit Xhaka, but he just gets played, um, irrespective. So, for me, the question is actually, does it mean Zinchenko plays ahead of Tierney? Yeah, look, I think that come the start of the season and with the way that Tierney's injury is manifesting continually, there's a good chance Zinchenko will start that game against Crystal Palace at left-back. Um, and I think he'll probably play for us more at left-back because of Tierney's issues, mm. unfortunately. I don't want that to be the case. I'd love for him to compete over Xhaka, even though you know that's a big obstacle in this Arteta team, as you say. But I'd love it if he was doing that. But who knows? And I mean, if you bring in Tillemans... You've then got a situation where you've got Tillemans, Zinchenko and Xhaka that can all play the left eight role. Um, Xhaka plays it more deep and maybe you use him, you know, away at, say, Anfield over someone like Tillemans and Odegaard, maybe be a bit more conservative with your lineup just to be a little bit more prepared. Um, but you've got, to, I like having these problems. You know, people go, oh, where's he going to play? Or oh, where's he going to get any minutes? I don't care. You know, I want competitors in every position. I yeah. want there to be problems. I want there to be people that are frustrated not getting enough game time because that's the sign of a big, big team. That's why Sterling and Jesus left Manchester yeah. City because but, they weren't getting enough minutes. But Tom, let's assume that, and people in the chat as well, please let me know. Let's assume that Tierney is fully fit and Zinchenko is fully fit. Mm. And Xhaka is always going to start, right? So we're talking mm. about just the left-back spot. Who do you play, Zinchenko or Tierney? And also, who do you think Arteta's going to play? One thing I would remind you of is that the season gone, at one point, for a long time, everything that we did that was good came through Tierney. Yeah. Tierney, when he's on form, is a very, very dynamic player, really good going forward, brilliant, you know, in, in all areas of the game. It's just his injury record. So the fully fit question is the really interesting one to me. I don't think Tierney's anything, yeah. done anything to, to deserve to be dropped. No, and I think when he's fully fit, he, you know, that's completely fair. And Zinchenko, like Saliba, has got to earn his place in the Arsenal squad this season. Absolutely. I think Jesus is already doing that, but he didn't really have too many obstacles. You know, Saliba and Zinchenko both have obstacles uh, in, in this Arsenal squad. And that's a good thing, you know, having that quality to be able to fight against each other. Um, Frantisek says, it still amazes me how still some Arsenal fans can't appreciate Jesus and Zinchenko as signings. They are both fourth-time Premier League champions, classy guys, and played key roles numerous times under Pep. They're excellent signings. Have you noticed people turning their noses up at these two signings being made? Not at Jesus, but yes, at Zinchenko. And mm. I can't quite understand it. I'm, I'm in the same sort of boat, boat as Frantisek. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Yeah, uh, I cannot understand why people are... I don't see the quality of Zinchenko. Just because he might not start every week for Man City, but look, Man City are a bloody good team. And also, I'm not one that uh, wants to echo this rhetoric about, oh, well, we're taking on their rejects. We're getting Jesus because they signed Haaland and we're getting Zinchenko because they've got, you know, Cancelo. You know, I, I don't really care. They're still bloody good players. And, you know, you know, different players can serve a different purpose at different clubs. And I think they serve a brilliant purpose for Arsenal. That's all I care about. 
Mm. Absolutely. Uh, I think he's spot on. I, I, look, I think some people just moan for the sake of moaning, to be honest, and you're never going to curb that. It's just it's just good viewing sometimes. Uh, Wayne Sage says, I prefer Paqueta over Tielemans. He has more versatility, the eight wide, uh, the number 10 position, false nine, but wouldn't be mad at Tielemans. Both are bargains. And there was another question as well that linked to this. Um, let me just find it. It was from... I can't, I can't, I can't try and find who it was, but basically the question was along the lines of, oh, here we go, Simon, who says, hi, Tom, it surely makes sense to get a Paqueta slash Milinkovic-Savic style midfielder, both of whom are goal-scoring midfielders. Do you think that's what you're looking for from the midfield signing this summer that you want? Is it someone who is a very, is a very big kind of influence in the final third? Is it more of a box-to-box or is it more of someone who could cover for Partey if he has his injury issues? Yeah, it's more the latter. It's more the cover for Partey rather than mm. someone in that area that I, um, you know, want or expect to go and get goals. Um, though, yeah, Paqueta can can get goals. It's a nice thing to have. Even Tielemans, he he can be quite effective a bit closer to goal as well. So I think that, you know, Paqueta is a bit more dangerous in in that area but Tielemans has got lovely delivery into the box for example so I don't really care if they're Mm. you know how they're responsible as long as they're getting goal contributions whether that's goals or assists when they're in and around that area great but I wouldn't have expected we're going to be getting Paqueta in to do that job because that's what Erdegaard's job is but it's obviously a nice thing to have if a player feels comfortable even though they might be more central once they are in the attacking third, when they feel a bit more comfortable and know what to do. Because, you know, with Thomas Partey, for example, you know, we haven't seen Mm. that yet. We haven't seen that ability to convert. And I still think people are sleeping a bit on Fabio Vieira. You know, this is someone that can play left eight, can play number 10, can play in a wide position. He's very versatile. He's he's got into double figures for assists, got several goals as well for Porto last season at a very young age. Yes, it's for Porto in the Portuguese league, but... I mean, you look at how easily Bruno Fernandes translated his, his performances for sporting over to Manchester United in that first joining in January, it was as well. So I'm excited to see what he brings to the team. But still, I agree with people in the chat that we need to add a central midfielder of quality. I like Milinkovic Savic a lot because I think he adds both offensive qualities and I think he can add more, you know, in, in a defensive sense and can get up and down the field very effectively as well. Uh does Reese Nelson get a chance this season? You know, you asked me earlier, would I loan, sell, or, or or keep him? I said I would keep and extend him for the moment. You know, I think there's a player there. I'm also not 100% assured that a winger is coming in this summer, and I think that's one of the reasons why I think I'd keep him as well. Well, I mean, the thing is, uh, I think it's easier to get rid of Reese Nelson than it is to get rid of Nicola Pepe because of wages mm-hmm. and transfer fee. We don't need both. We've got Saka, we've got Smith-Rowe that can play out there. We've got Enketia, as you saw yesterday, that can go out there if needed. We've got Martinelli, Pepe, Reese nelson You know, I think we've got a bit too many. Even Fabio Vieira can, you know, do the job uh, out wide as well. Mm. So how many wingers do we need? How many minutes is Reese nelson realistically going to get? And we need to trim the squad down. I Look, the thing is, right... Reese Nelson, I don't know off the top of my head how old he is, but I guess 22, something like that. Yeah, I think he's 22. I think you're right. Yeah. So I'm just I'm just trying to look at it now. He's 22, yep. Yeah. Yeah, 22. Okay, so that's not that young anymore. Now, Bukayo Saka is 20, isn't he? Yeah. And he would have played considerably more games, done considerably more than Reese Nelson. 22 is not that young. At mm-hmm. that point, I think you know whether... 
that player is going to be, you know, a real high-level first-teamer or not. And unfortunately for Reese Nelson, it seems like the answer is not. So I would actually like to see him leave because I think it would be better for his career. And I think that, you know, it's just the harsh realities. Sticking with the winger position, uh, Arjit says, Hi Mo, great to see you here on TGT. Uh, who is your pick for the winger position as a realistic target? I know you said that you think we'd probably get a midfielder, but if you was to think that we would go after a winger, who would you like it to be? Just to put you on the spot with some names. <laughs> Arjit, I'm really sorry, man, but my answer is Nicola Pepe. I, I don't think we'll really? move him on. Yeah, I don't think we'll move But him who on. would you want? Like, if you could sign someone, realistically... I can throw some names at you if you like. Yeah, no, I think uh, Gakpo is one that we've spoken about quite a few times as uh, as quite an exciting one. Um, that would be great. Um, he'd probably be my pick, to be fair. Yeah. But, you know, I, I the point is, I, uh, you asked me earlier how many more we'll get after Zinchenko, and I said one person in central midfield. I don't mm. think we'll get a winger because um, it would be pretty crazy we've got Marquinhos as well let's not forget it'd be pretty crazy to continually add in those wide positions when we've got so many players that can do the job I just don't think it will happen so mm. yeah I think we're we're being a bit hopeful what I don't know what you think Tom if you if you agree that a winger is realistic I think the club want one um and that was evident in their chase of Rafinha um but I think there is not a glut of of great options at winger out there right now. Um, I really don't think we're not, you know, we're not blessed in the same sense of the, you know, there's a lot of strikers on the market, you know, this summer that have moved. I think there's a lot of central midfielders still that are potentially out there. You know, you look at Tielemans, Milinkovic, Savic, Fabian Ruiz, um, Ruben Neves potentially, although, you know, some like that are expensive. I, I, wingers, there really aren't that many that I would turn around and say, oh yeah, they're the right type of kind of, wide profile i remember i did a show because we sometimes do this ranking or um tier list system where we go through like the positions and who people would sign i think i've still got the wide positions i do yeah so the options that we had were noah lang who's gonna leave i think he's going to ac milan um, very controversial Mayless, character though as very well con i wouldn't take him yeah. um he was in the stay away from here section um in fact let me um i'll share the screen because just so it's easier for you to see it as well because we i just haven't touched it since the last time we did it so here it is this is our tier list from the video that we did before so yeah noah lang in the oh. stay away from here yeah. is mail Sar in the i would steer clear or my colleague bailey because he loves players that i would rather arsenal didn't sign so that's why it's the bailey tier um the i'm happy section we've got marco asensio uh, dan juma at vrl he's had a very very good time uh, there uh, you've got Sinistera, who's now gone to Leeds um, and did brilliantly with, with Feyenoord. Uh, you've got uh, Yeri uh, Pino, uh, who's an interesting young player at Villarreal. Uh, got a ridiculous release clause now. Uh, Michel Olise uh, at Crystal Palace. Uh, Pedro Gonçalves at Port Sporting. Uh, someone that, that's a great shout, Pedro Gonçalves. Yeah. When, when Arsenal signed Fabio Vieira, I thought to myself, you know, for, for a while I thought to myself, if one... Portuguese midfielder moves, you know, a, a mm. star in, in the in, in the Portuguese league moves, it would be him. I, I don't know why no club has gone for him. It's really strange. I don't know if, like, it's a case of they are, but Sporting are just asking for a price no one's willing to pay. But he is a very exciting player. He's not, like, young, young anymore. I think he's now 23, 24. So he's not, like, the wonder kid of, of four years ago. But he's, yeah, he's, he's delivering yeah. goals and assists regularly for them. Yeah. Uh, Jared Bowen. Well, really expensive. I don't think West Ham would let him go for anything less than 70, 80 odd million. 
Gakpo, as you mentioned, um, and then Musa Diaby was the other one, but he's, I think, come out and said that he's going to be staying at Bayer Leverkusen. And then the top ones were Serge Gnabry and, and Rafinha. Um, that was when we did this video a while ago, as you can imagine. I'm surprised that uh, Wilfred Zaha isn't on your list. I think because these are the players that, uh, one, there were links to and that I thought were potential realistic, but Gnabry's not realistic, but and, and I don't think Bowen is either. But hmm. I, I didn't put him on there because... I just don't think Palace are going to sell him in the last year of his deal. I don't think there's a figure that is sensible that they would accept, to be honest. Yeah. Well, you know, when you asked me the question about wingers and I said Gakpo, I didn't mention Nabri because I just feel like that's never going to happen. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. We did that show quite a while ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah. it's quite unrealistic. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know what you think, but. Ha- how many wide players do Arsenal need to get rid of before we sign Two. another? And also, does Pepe have to be one of the ones we get rid of before we sign I another? I think so, yeah, because of his wage. Yeah. Um, the £140,000 per week sitting on the bench is, is not healthy, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, look, he changed agents this summer with the aim to try and move on. So it was in his mind to move on, but then he's jumping onto Snapchat and replying to Arsenal fans saying like, you know, heart, I love this. I love Arsenal and all this. So it, it's a little bit strange. I imagine he's probably had conversations with the manager and the manager said, look, you fight for your place. If no offers come in, you know, we'll you, you'll stay here and we'll use you when you get the opportunities. But I just think for both player and club, it's the most beneficial thing for him to move on at this point. It's just what not about, worked, unfortunately. Yeah. What about Memphis Depay? There's rumours that, you know, with all the incomings at Barca, they need to get rid of some people and apparently he mm. might be on that list. Would you take him? What are we talking about financials for him? I mean, I don't like, know. I, I don't know. Let, let's focus more on uh, more on the fact that he tried and failed in the league, in, in the Premier League and, um, you know, just style of play and that sort of thing rather than the financials. I mean, when when you mentioned his name, the instant reaction to my brain was no. That, that was my reaction. Um, just don't think... I, I just don't think he's of the profile of the character that Arteta necessarily wants at the club. Um, I don't really know what his best position in the Arsenal team would be either. Uh, I know he's played in the middle. I know he's played in a wide area, but... Yeah. I think he would play more so on the left-hand side if he was playing as a wide. And we've got a lot playing on the left, you know, at the moment. Martin Ali Smith-Rowe can all play there. Um, Marquinhos can play on both sides too. And again, we've not really touched on Marquinhos that much, but, you know, he looks sprightly in the game against Nuremberg. I'm frustrated he's not been given a chance on the tour yet mm-hmm. um, because they clearly see him as a senior player because they've given him a senior number and they see him as a bit of a, a Martinelli kind of pathway, I think, to the first team. But... Yeah, I, I just don't think there's a lot of options. I mean, I see people in the chat box suggesting names, Justin Kluivert. Um, there was one that said Pedro Neto at Wolves uh, as a potential other one. I just, I don't think that none of these players like really jumping at me and going, wow, they would really transform Arsenal's yeah. wide position. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and also I look at um, names like that, like Neto, for example, really, really solid, good player. I, like, I, enjoy, mm. I enjoy watching him play. But do I want him playing ahead of Saka or Martinelli? Well, actually, no. And um, then on top of that, Fabio Vieira has come in. You know, do I want to... I mean, why are we sort of trying to put someone above him already before we've even seen what he can do? Smith Rowe can obviously do the number 10 role or can play on the the wing as well, Um, even though I don't think it's his favourite position. But in any case, Mm -hmm. that's how Arteta has deployed him. Do I really want Neto to come in and play uh, ahead of him? I'm, I'm not so sure. I feel like we've got a decent set of options in terms of wingers. 
what I'm desperate for is that world-class quality to accompany Partey in central midfield. That's my absolute focus. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, and it has to be a priority. As I've said, last summer, I think the window was good, but I ultimately felt like it failed because we didn't address central midfield. This summer, again, we've addressed central midfield in the sense of Zinchenko, but we need more. We need yeah. more for the midfield. And if Partey gets injured, as he often does in the season, how many years would it have been where we're just not improving that midfield? Yeah. It, look, when we signed Partey, I was like, wow, you know, Arsenal yeah. are finally addressing that position with a yeah. genuine player of real quality. And I thought, great, you know, we've also gone and signed Gabriel in the same summer. And the following summer, we backed that up with the signing of Ben White and we've managed to, you know, convince Saliba to return this summer. But we've not built on that centre midfield area enough yeah. after we signed Partey. We sat on what we had. We brought in Lokonga, sure, but that didn't... I didn't progress the midfield. You know, it's it's not an improvement on Granite Xhaka, for instance. He could be one day, but he isn't right now. And, and that's the issue. And I, there's an interesting question as well. And, and it links to the wide forward conversation because, for me, the wide forward was key because it was a player for me that needed to cover at striker as well. It needed to give some central cover to the versatility. Yeah. Rafinha was an interesting one because it didn't really yeah. give you that, but he was of a level that I thought, wow, that would be a really interesting player to come into the club next season. And I mean, he looked great annoyingly on his Barca debut the other day. Um, but Amira says, hey, Tom and Mo, uh, with some fans still wanting a plan B striker, how different both ESR and Martinelli are if we get a right wing slash wide forward? Would you want them to be similar or different to Saka? Um, I'm not quite sure what you mean by the second half of the question, but focusing on the plan B part, is that something you think we are lacking? Is that someone who can come off the bench and give us a little bit of muscle? Absolutely. 100%. I think it's a fantastic point by Mira there because when you look at our central striker options right now, we've got Gabriel Jesus and we've got Eddie Nketiah. You know, that they're not different enough. Like, clearly they're very different players, but um, they're not different enough. They're probably the more similarities and mm. they do differences, right? And I want someone that gives us a real different plan B when it's just not working, where we can kind of, even if we don't directly replace, say, for example, I'm not saying, like, if we get a Giroud type of player, we take off Jesus to put Giroud on, but maybe maybe play them next to each other. And that way, a defence has got to, a lot to think about in terms of, are they going to go aerially as well? Are they going to play one off the other, near post, far post, that sort of thing? There's a lot to think about there. And I feel like that's really, really important for us. More so, in my opinion, than getting another wide forward. Mm, yeah, I've, I've understood the second part of the question now. Amira is asking how Smith Rowe and Martinelli are very different players playing on the left. If we were to sign a winger, would it need to be someone who's different in style to Saka? So, like more of a Smith Rowe type, I suppose, on the right. But I think we have that in Vieira. Exactly. So I, so, I don't know why. I think for me, it has to be someone who can play wide and in the middle to give us that cover. But yeah. Fabio Vieira is that difference. He's a lot more technical. He can really pick mm -hmm. a little pass out and kind of thread the eye of the needle, while Saka is more, you know, stand you up, got the ball, beat you, and um, and like climbing into into positions to score a goal. So, mm. yeah, I, I think Saka's more of a goal threat, and uh, Fabio Vieira, if I'm not, I know of him, is more of a sort of uh, creative creative threat. Well, we're going to finish the show uh, on this question from Sahil. I'm going to pick this question because I know that Mo has a, like most Arsenal fans, but I feel like Mo is so eloquent in the way he describes his hatred of, of Tottenham that I had to ask this question. Um, so he'll says, are you worried about Spurs and how do you rate their window so far? Right, okay. Would <laughs> I be happy 
Would I have been happy if Arsenal had signed um, DJ Spence? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I would have been happy. In fact, you know what? I'm just going to just going to Google their signings, right? Because I have been trying to um, trying to put them to the back of my mind recently. So, <laughs> who have they who have they signed this season? Richarlison. So, Richarlison, would I have been happy if we signed him? Yes. Eve Basuma, would I have been happy if we signed him? Yes. DJ Spence, would I have been happy if, if we had signed him? Yes. Perisic, not so much. Fraser Forster, is he better than Matt Turner? Yes. Clement Lenglet. Fine, you know. Oh, he's dreadful. <laughs> he's awful. <laughs> oh, oh, look, he's not going to get many minutes. He's not going to get no. many minutes for Tottenham, you know. Um, I, I would have been like, fine, experienced player for those moments where you, you need to rotate your squad, fine. No, the fact of the matter is they've done brilliant work. They, they really have done some brilliant work in the transfer window. And this is what we spoke about. When they've signed Yves Basuma and Richarlison and a really good young prospect in DJ Spence, who potentially we don't need to, because I, I really, really rate Brooke Norton Cuffey. So perhaps we don't need to go down that route. But this is what they've been able to do as a result of Arsenal throwing away our season last season and Tottenham getting Champions League football. It might have been very different had it been the other way around. And, um, and they didn't get that. So I am nervous. I am worried, uh, Sahil. Mm. And um, I can only hope that the saving grace is that they are Tottenham and they Mm. will just mess it up and they'll bottle it and they won't achieve anything. This is interesting because I completely disagree with you. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I I don't like their window. I wouldn't swap their window for ours at all. Um the only player I like that they've bought is Eve Basuma. Is the only one I I think stands out for me. I think Jed Spence is an interesting signing whose profile is massively affected by how people viewed him against Arsenal in that one-off game. Yes, he's a decent player. Is he a guy that went on loan to Forest and is now worth twenty million pounds? I, I, I don't know. I thought they got him for about thirteen. Is it? I thought it was something like twenty. Is it like twenty if they win a trophy or so? I saw someone. Oh, I, I don't know. I had thirteen, that. and actually, I think at thirteen million in this in this market, you know, that that's really good for a young, promising English right back. But um, but Richarlison. I mean, don't you think that, you know, when people talk about, when people ask that question, best players outside of the top six, Rafinha, Richarlison were up there for me last season, you know, in terms of answering Would the question, as Jesus for it? Wilfred Zaha, you know, so are you not keen Would on Richarlison? Would you stop Jesus for Richarlison? Oh, no, absolutely not. But, they, right. but you know, we were talking just now about, you know, the fact that we were in for Rafinha, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that was never at the expense of Jesus. So, for me, had we signed Rafinha or Richarlison, I would have been thinking, we've got a really good Premier League player here. I just don't think he's worth anything close to 60 million quid. Yeah, like, I agree I, with that. And and the thing is, Rafinha went for a similar price, but Arsenal weren't ever willing to go over, say, 40 for Rafinha. Yeah. You know? So I don't think they were ever going to go that high. I, I agree think with that, that. In terms of value for money, yeah. I don't think they've done very well. But in terms of Richarlison as a player, I think he's a good player. No, I don't think he's no, he's not bad. You know, I'm not sitting here and criticizing the player. I just think that if you consider the fact and the context that Spurs qualify for the Champions League last season, and I think they're having a window that they could have had if they'd have qualified for the conference league. You know, I don't think being in the Champions League has aided any of those signings at all. 
And I think Arsenal have managed to sign players like Jesus and Zinchenko and potentially Tielemans that are players that I think a Champions League qualification club would go for. And, and that, I think, is the difference for me. I think Richarlison is a Europa League level player. I think Jesus is a Champions League level player. Yeah, And that's and, the and difference between Don't get me wrong. What I don't want people to think is that I'm saying Tottenham have done better business than Arsenal. No, but you're I'm just, just saying how good was the window. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking at Tottenham's window in their own right and being quite honest, actually, that if I, um, you know, if Arsenal had signed those players, I'd be happy. Yeah, but fair enough. Yeah, when fair I enough. Look at, if we if we take it player by player, right? So Richarlison or Gabriel Jesus? I say Gabriel Jesus. Sure. If we say Dijed Spence or uh, Zinchenko, or obviously, or in fact, that's not a fair one. Bissouma or Zinchenko. <laughs> Bissouma or Zinchenko. I'd say, look, that that's actually a really close one. Um, I think that Zinchenko is more important for Arsenal than Bissouma would be for Arsenal, because I think Zinchenko adds competition for Tierney that we needed and, and certainly that, that quality cover so we never drop the quality at left back and I think he's a very good centimetre that I rate personally higher than Jacker. so yeah. that's why I lean towards him that's not to say Basuma's not good and, that, and I said earlier yeah. on he's, he's the best of the bunch but, yeah. but I think I'm conscious of the time though, Mo. I didn't want to take up and go no, over yeah, sure, that's fine. But, I think Basuma's a, a very good signing but look I think that's maybe level pegging out of those two um, and then look, Perisic or Fabio Vieira. Actually, I'd rather go Fabio Vieira. I think the potential's much, much higher than mm -hmm. a Perisic. Um, you know, our yeah. new signing, Saliba versus their Lengle, mm -hmm. obviously Saliba. I'm not saying for a second I think Tottenham have done better than Arsenal. And actually, I think Arsenal have bought quite well. What is it, 45 million for Jesus versus 60 mm -hmm. million for Richarlison? I know which one I'm going for all mm -hmm. day. Um, but I still think Tottenham have added to their squad and strengthened their squad very well. Just before we wrap up, the poll uh, that we put in earlier on the chat box, I've had 600 of you have voted on that. Who would you rather have had at right back to back up um, Tommy Yasu? 38% have said Maitland-Niles, which I'm actually surprised, you know, it's that oh. high. 62% um, have said Cedric. And you're obviously bearing in mind the context, this is my channel. <laughs> so, you know, there is that context as well. But uh, but yeah, no, thank you everybody that's watched. Mo, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. Tell people where they can find you and what you're going to be up to. You can find me on YouTube, just type in Mo Hader, or Instagram and Twitter at Mo Hader 8 And um, yeah, listen, what I'm going to be up to is every single match at Arsenal play, you know, within about half an hour, I'll have a match reaction uploaded on my channel. You can see what I thought about the game. And then every single day after the game at 5 p.m., he'll have my five at five, which will be five key things or five little things that I've noticed beyond the obvious Um uh, that have come out of the game or after the game. So uh, yeah, you can check me out on my YouTube channel, and I'm on the. I'm hoping by the end of next season, mm. um, got more than 50k subscribers. Right now, it's about 32 oh, and a half. Right. So that that's <laughs> one year, and uh, I'm sure the rate will slow a little bit, but hopefully more than 50k next year. So help me on that journey. Absolutely. Uh, you can find a link to Mo's channel in the title of today's video. Uh, just click his name and it will take you there. So make sure you are subscribed if you aren't already. I'll join you tomorrow morning at 8am as always to keep you updated with all the latest Arsenal transfer news and updates. Uh, and then it's going to be an interesting weekend, of course, with our final game of the US Tour before we return next week to play Sevilla in the Emirates Cup. And then after that, the Premier League's back. So it is coming back very, very quickly indeed. And hopefully Arsenal can get some business done. We will see you again very, very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. 
all your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mate's already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.